Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. Thanks for joining us once again and welcome back to the Dead Parent Club podcast. Each week we're going to be talking about what it's like to be members of the Dead Parent Club and chatting to brilliant guests about their grieving journeys. We'll also be hearing from people far more qualified than us that can give you some top advice on navigating this new normal. So welcome everyone to the Dead Parent Club. Now today we're joined by former footballer, pundit and presenter Robbie Savage, whose dad Colin died from a form of dementia in 2012. Robbie is now an ambassador for the Alzheimer's Society and he's working to highlight the link between sport and dementia. Thank you for joining us, Robbie. How are you, Kat, Emma? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. Are you all right, mate? Very well, thank you. Very hot in here. (laughs) <laughs> excited for an hour talking yeah. about grief yeah wow yeah i'm excited yeah. <laughs> strap yourself in mate you're going nowhere <laughs> on for a ride um i suppose we've got to talk first of all robbie about your dad what kind of a man was he and what was it like growing up with him yeah he was a hard-working um father you know my hero growing up he was my first manager as a youngster oh. he was my grassroots manager he was the father who would take me everywhere I went as a youngster. Um, he would miss dinners. He would miss mm. his tea. Um, so he could facilitate me, you know, playing the sport I love. So, yeah, he was an amazing man. I was also a little bit scared of him because, you know, my, <laughs> mo- my mother used to let me get away with, you know, with, uh, with murder. Okay. And she'd always say, wait till your father gets home. And I used to say, oh, please, mum, don't tell dad. <laughs> don't tell dad. So he had a... You know, he had an authority about him, but, you know, he was he was an amazing man. So if you don't mind then, kind of obviously you're affiliated to the Dead Parent Club. So what is it that happened to your dad and how did he pass away in 2012? Yes, yeah, so my father, um, you know, I was very fortunate in my football career, cat to, you know, um, earn decent money for a period of time in the Premier League. And, you know, my father, um, we lived in a small house in, in Wrexham with my brother. I had the little box room. My father, you know, all his life, he didn't earn much money and then he got a decent job at a place called Continental Cannon. My father actually designed something on the widget, you know, in a can of Guinness. Oh, yeah. Um, he didn't get any money for it, but he we got a certificate in the house that in all his life he worked, except he had designed a piece of the widget, believe it or not. So <laughs> um, he um, started feeling unwell when he was about 55. He wanted to retire at 55. Um, so he didn't have enough money. So I suggested to my mum and dad, because, you know, when they've been together for so long, you know, um, I said, listen, why you continue to work when I can afford it to give you some money, mum and dad, to Mm. retire and enjoy the rest of your life together? You know, my mother was a saver. Um, So 
he did that. You know, I think he had high blood pressure at the time. So that was one of the reasons why he retired. And I just said, listen, you know, enjoy the rest of your life if you've got 30 Aww. years left with, with, with mum. Um, so he retired and then he loved doing Sudoku. You know, Sudoku. My yeah. dad yeah. loves yeah. them. Sudoku. And he got, yeah. he got really into it. Um, and then we got internet at the house because we didn't have internet. So we got internet so he could go on his computer. Then all of a sudden, you know, we lived in a village where there was a local pub and my father used to take me there when I was 14 and I was part of the pool team with my dad. He used to be so proud of me. Um, so we used to continue to go to the pub and then, you know, in the local shop, because it was such a small village, you know, and in the pub, when my mum used to go for her milk and her bread, they used to say, is Colin okay? So, so she'd say, why? They said, well, he's become quite aggressive. You know, is he an alcoholic? He seems to be drinking a lot and slurring his words and being quite aggressive. And this is when he was 57. So um, we thought nothing of it. We just thought he might, might have been a bit depressed because he retired. And I mean, even when he come to see the grandkids, he was a bit dismissive with the grandkids, not really interested, um, mm. which was a surprise because obviously my two sons love playing football and he would have been the proudest grandfather mm. in the world to see, you know, my eldest and youngest follow my journey. Um, so... You know, lots of people were saying, is he okay? You know, it's not like him. So anyway, we, we had the test done. And when they'd done several MRI scans, they found out that, um, you know, his frontal lobes of his brain were not right. And it was a form of dementia, as Emma said, Pick's disease, mm. um, which is a young man's form of dementia. And what it does is it affects your speech, you know, that you slur your words. Um, it affects your nature. You become aggressive. And obviously then it leads into, you know, the, the forgetfulness, not knowing who people are. So that was the first signs, really, of the, of people in the local village thinking that my dad was, you know, an aggressive, you know, man who drunk a lot, really, yeah. when it was nothing further from the truth. And when you found out that your dad had Pick's disease, how did you feel at that time? How do you remember feeling? Well, at the time, you're thinking, you know, I would expect my nan or my granddad or older people mm -hmm. to get dementia. I didn't really know that it was a, a you can get dementia at a very young age and Pick's disease is one of those forms of dementia where you can get it um, young. So I couldn't believe it was happening really that he'd only just retired and, and he retired because, you know, he wanted to spend time with mum. And then to realise that the the disease was very rapid in terms of when he passed away at 63. Um, yeah, it was, it was, I couldn't accept it at the start because, you know, there's been people in my family with who's had cancer and you've seen those people suffer but to see a man suffer who who worked all his life except he had to provide for others just not being your father in the end and when he when he got dementia my mother we lost my mother for the space of five years because she was his sole carer because mm -hmm. you can imagine my mum didn't want to let him go to you know to the hospital to a home um so it became a period of mine and my brother's lives you know where we lost both parents for for an amount of time. It was heartbreaking. Do you think you grieved during that time when your dad was physically still here, but obviously changing? Yeah, I did. And, you know, there was a lot of guilt, a lot of guilt from me that as the Pick's disease progressed, you know, the amount of hours I would drive to see him and then drive back and spend with him, knowing that he didn't know I was there and, and and the guilt of when you leave it and crying all the way back mm -hmm. to Manchester, you know, just thinking that that was pointless because I was sitting there, you know, and he didn't have a clue I was. That was very difficult to digest, thinking that, you know, this man who, you know, 
would be delighted to see me, would be delighted to talk football, would be delighted to go for a pint in the local pub, but sitting there just staring through you was very hard to take. It must have been really hard for you to offer that support for your mum as well because it's quite a difficult question this but did it get to the point where you actually kind of dreaded to go there because yeah. it was such a hard yeah thing to it was go hard through. you know there was times when i would i would make excuses for not going yeah. because you know i didn't selfishly i didn't want to put myself through you know driving an hour and a half sitting there for mm. 25 minutes you know looking at my mom crying looking at my father just didn't know i was there and then driving back so there'd be you know i was you know, looking back now it was a selfish thing but you know the guilt's still there, you know, from the moment when he passed, you know, when I wasn't there on the night he passed away um, because, you know, I like to please so many people, you know, I'm, I am mm. quite an insecure person, you know, and I'd already arranged to do a, a, um, after dinner speech for, you know, a football club um, and they were selling the tickets for, for cancer research. Yeah. So, you know, because every single night when he was in hospital, I think he was there for 27 nights and on the, I was there, the first 26 on the 27th night, which was the, 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 the after dinner for cancer research where, you know, lots of people had paid good money to don donate to the, mm -hmm. to the, to the charity. I thought I can't let those people down. And on that night, you know, he passed when I wasn't there. So I can never forgive myself for that moment. Um, was it selfish? You know, I'd, no. I'm not so sure it was, but it's one thing that, you know, I do regret, listen, I regret it lives me every single day that, you know, would he have known I was there? Probably not. But the feeling of everybody else in my family being there but me, mm. you know, is hard to take. I think that about my brother sometimes. When my mum died, my brother decided to go to the, he wanted to get out of the house and him and his wife went for a walk. And when when he was out, my mum mm. died and everybody else was there. And I think those feelings must be quite difficult when you've spent so much time being there for that time and then suddenly it's taken away from you. It was every night, every night I was yeah. there. But, and we'd, we'd take it in turn. So my brother would go, I would go. You know, my mum was there and didn't leave. It's a waiting game, it's a, isn't it? It's a waiting game. And, you know, you know, I remember getting back into bed. I think the, the after dinner was in Shrewsbury. You know, I, I didn't get paid for it. I donated the fee as well to the, to the cancer charity. Um, so it was just a thing that I couldn't let other people down. Mm. But in the end, I probably let my mother down because, you know, she didn't have one of her sons with you when, you know, he passed. Oh. I think, though, most people would look at that um, outside of you and go, You've no need to feel guilt for that. Yeah. You were there every single night and your dad very likely wouldn't want you to feel guilt for that. Have you found any peace with it at all? I know you said you'll never forgive yourself, but have you managed to find any place where you can park it almost? Like no, not really. Not really, no, because, you know, he, he meant so much to me, obviously. You know, the things he did for me was, you know, quite remarkable. You know, the amount of stick he got. You know, there was, there was a sense of pride as well. Never missed a game for so many years, traveled all around the world with me. Um, you know, he'd be the one, that's my boy, you know, watching <laughs> me play. And, you know, so for me to not be there when he passed, I can never, ever, you know, say I can park it because I should have been there. I should have been there. But it was just me. I like to please everybody I can. You know, people who don't know me um, see me, might see a brash <laughs> lad, you know, who, who kick people on the football pitch, but deep down, you know, I try and do the right thing by everyone. How, because um, I feel like you are, you're actually quite self-deprecating and um, generous and kind as a human being. Um, and it, the, you have this public persona that seems a little <laughs> bit different to that. Mm. How do you think your dad would describe his son? 
hard working, you know, it, like himself. You know, he said to me, he wrote me a lovely letter. You know, I should have brought it, but, you know, it, it was a lovely letter, which I've now wrote one to my son. Um, when did he write that for you? He wrote it the day I left to sign for Manchester United. Oh. You know, he was standing at the door with my brother. Um, it was an amazing letter, which I, I still have got to this day. Just just say, mm. work hard, be proud. Your mum and dad are always there for you. Um, you know, and I wasn't there when he passed for my mum, which are my brother. So, you know, that's hard to take still. As you can tell, it still really gets to me. Um, I'd hope he described me as a hardworking individual who, who got the best out of himself and made him feel proud. Definitely. Um, you've obviously spoken about your brother quite a bit. Have you and your brother spoken about your guilt towards that moment and or anything else to do with your grief, really? We did an episode on sibling grief recently and how differently people kind of cope with it. So have you had any of those conversations with him? No, listen, my brother's a wonderful man. He's older than me. Um, we've never really spoke about it, really. Um, I think we're two different characters. We look nothing alike. You know, <laughs> he's actually quite a good looking you know but no we've never really spoke about it but you know he lives five doors from my mother wow, um, wow. so he was you know he, he was in a position where he could see dad quite a lot you know when my dad was at home but no we've never really spoke about it and I don't think we ever will what about your mom after your dad died how does she cope after that because yeah, that's terrible. five years of her life dedicated yeah. solely to him terrible you know uh, she still has his clothes in the wardrobe. Um, you know, for the first two years, you know, every single Christmas she comes to our house. Um, but she wouldn't leave because she said, I'm not leaving Colin. You know, you know, mm. he, she wouldn't leave. And she got into a terrible state because, you know, she couldn't believe it. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. she, she'd lost him because, you know, the amount of money they'd saved, you know, to go away to together. Enjoy it. To yeah. enjoy it. You know, my mum won't fly. So she won't fly on holiday when I go on holiday. Now she's, hasn't even got a passport now Aww. because she doesn't want to leave the house. Aww. So, it's, you know, she doesn't like flying anyway, but she won't leave the house for a considerable period of time because she still believes that she's, you know, leaving her husband. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's That's quite, tough. It's, it's tough. And, you know, she's got arthritis. She had an aneurysm, you know, she's, oh, wow. you know, but she's, she keeps going. But yeah, she is every single day. I think it hurts her, you know, in, in, in yeah. the cul-de-sac where we live now. You know, there's been grief in the cul-de-sac. You know, her best friend lost her husband. You know, the next door neighbor lost their son. Um, next door just passed away from dementia. Um, so the whole cul-de-sac of the generation is starting to lose oh, you know, wow, people. Yeah. So it's, it's become a real tight, you know, little little community, the Pine Close, where, you know, we all grew up. Mm. For you, Robbie, uh, being in the public eye around that time, did you feel more pressure during your grief to appear as though you were okay? That's every day. I have to put on an act, um, even more so when, you know, I remember the night he passed, I was in doing the after dinner, and then the following night was 6 or 6. Um, and, you know, very similar to Chris Sutton, who I do it with now, who lost his father from dementia. You know, he done 6 or 6 as well, the day he passed, his father passed, which, you know, you, you are trying to grieve in different ways and I try to take my mind off it and I, I, I didn't want to let people know because, mm. I, again, I didn't want to let people down, um, you know, and I didn't tell anybody really. So it's, yeah, it's, I think every day I put on a persona. Have you ever had any professional help? For dealing with your grief no 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 i've had professional help in, in other ways about you know when you retire from football mm. and when you get a bit depressed mm. and a bit down but in terms of the grief you know it's just it's just deep inside of me that 
still we can talk about it as much as you want and you can give me all the reassurance. I know you've both lost, you know, y- y- your mum, which must have been so heartbreaking at such a young age. When I think about you two, you know, I had my father, you know, till he was 63. So, um, and I had some amazing years, I'm sure as you did, two did with your mother. Um, so um, it's something that will never go away, the grief, never. So obviously you do work with sporting memories, don't you? And I think mm. you know, we want to go into that shortly, but touching on that, when your dad was diagnosed, did you ever get the chance to have that kind of conversation with him? Like you know, that kind of final conversation that kind of gets romanticized no, never, on films never. and stuff like that? No, no never, because it, it was so quick mm. in terms of, you know, the the sporting memories thing. I remember that, you know, they still do such great work. And that's why I'm, I'm, as Emma's alluded to, I'm an ambassador for Alzheimer's that I remember going to the hospital once and Football Focus was on the TV. And I walked into the room and the football came on the TV and he looked at me for a split second, looked at the TV and something in his eye knew about oh. football. And, you know, again, I was in floods of tears driving back. Um, mm-hmm. But that moment said that he knew something. Um, but I... I was never able to have that conversation because obviously he didn't have a clue I was. He didn't have a clue my mum was, my brother. Um, So to see a man in the space of five or six years to go from somebody who loved life and was looking forward to, you know, watching his grandson grow up, play football. My my eldest son's now at Manchester United. And, you know, I know he'd have been that granddad on the sideline watching, cheering (laughs) on, do you know what I mean? So it's difficult to take, you know, when Charlie sees... You know, where the granddad's there and I know how much it would have meant to his granddad. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. How was it seeing your dad passing the way he did and go through such a long and enduring illness? How has that changed your perspective on your own mortality? Do you think about your own death a lot more? Well, I think, you know, is it genetic? I've not done that much research on it, but, you know... I've, Have you intentionally not done research on yeah, it? Yeah, because, you know, I'm a worrier. <laughs> at the, at the, <laughs> Talking to two worriers. <laughs> at, the, at the best you of times. You ain't company with yeah, at the best of times. So um, if I had a test... Um, and it suggested there was a chance of me having that gene, which would give me Pick's disease, knowing it's a young man's disease, then, you know, that might mean I might have 10 years left of, of my life. Mm. If you know that, maybe you could enjoy the 10 years, but I wouldn't want to know and I don't want to know. So um, do I think about dying? Um, you know, if I put myself in my father's situation, knowing what my two boys would go through if it was me, 
I wouldn't want my boys to see me like I yeah. see my father. I know what I went through seeing, you know, my hero, you know, somebody who gave up everything for me to 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 go through what he went through. I couldn't, you know, put my boys through that. Do your boys have any memories of their granddad before he got Pick's disease? Um, they don't talk about him really. They've got oh. photos of him, um, but it's probably memories where if they did, you know, it wasn't the granddad because the granddad, so when when dad was 57, um, seven years ago, 63, my boys would have been three-ish. Oh, you know wow. I mean? Three and yeah. four. So if they did have memories, it would have probably been of a grandfather who didn't spend that much time with him because mm. of his of his disease and the aggressive nature, not wanting to be around people, then they would probably think, in a way, it would probably been better they were younger yeah. not to see their, their granddad like he was. Has your experience changed the way you are as a father, do you think? Uh, hopefully I'm a good father. Hopefully I'm a good father. Um, you know, my father, as I alluded to in this podcast earlier, was... I'd always, when I say scare is not the right word, it was respectful, you know. So as I've said, my mum would, I would get away with murder with my mother. Um, but as soon as she said, you know, she used to chase, chase me up the stairs. And I, used to, <laughs> I, used to, like, I used to hide in my room, but she said, wait till your dad gets home. And I think that I wasn't scared of him. I was, I respected him. Mm. Um, the disappointment thing. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and thinking that he wouldn't take me to football because I wanted to be a football and dedicated. You know, girls used to come around the house. I used to, you know, I was at school, knock on the door and I used to hide and say, Mom, not in, we're not in. Um, and when my mum went to town on the bus, because you used to get the bus from the, the, the bus stop, I used to let all the lads in, in mm -hmm. the house, but mum didn't allow it. So she'd knew if they'd been in because if one cushion was out of place, <laughs> if one cushion was out of place, right mum would yeah. know and she'd go mad. Why have you had people in the house? Mm. Um, where my dad would be more relaxed about mm -hmm. it. So the way I try and do it now is, is that, you know, I'm just relaxed. If Charlie or Freddie want people around the house, come have sleepovers because I wasn't allowed sleepovers really. Um, you know, I used to go to my mates. Um, mm. I, was the, I was the first one in on a Sunday when it went dark to have a bath when all my mates could stay out. I was I was the one who wasn't allowed to get his clothes dirty on, on the muddy pitch um, because we didn't have a washing machine, but all the other boys did. So um, I try and be a bit more relaxed with my kids. Yeah. Um, but there's a fine line because they get away with a lot more than me. And, you know, they do respect me, obviously, um, but I just try and let them get away with a bit more. <laughs> a bit more freedom. Mm. Do you think, um, well, what do you do for Father's Day? Do you think of your dad? Do you do anything in particular on Father's Day? Um, because it's on a Sunday, you know, I'm usually working. You know, do I have the time to go and visit his grave? I've been to his grave on numerous occasions. Um, you know, it's beautiful. It's in the Moss Valley near Wrexham. I should do more. I should do more, but it's still that guilt of going to the grave, you know, thinking that I wasn't there when he passed. It's still that guilt there that, you know, my brother and my mother say, you know, why haven't you been to the grave? And I have been on, on numerous occasions, but um, I'm not into birthdays and, and Christmas and I've never been into that kind of thing. Um, I think it's due to my football because I've always worked on those in it's those true. periods. Um, so when everybody else is celebrating, you know, birthdays and Christmas, I was always working, um, dedicated to try and get the best out of what I had. Um, and I had to, you know, I was, I couldn't drink. Um, so I've never really celebrated or been to occasions where I like to remember them. 
just have curiosity, but it's a bit off piece. This, but do you drink now? Not, gonna, not much at all. No, I like I like aggressive. I like a glass of red wine. Um, mm. I was never a drinker. Never drunk. Never liked beer. Um, my dad took me for my first pint when I was nineteen, Ooh. and it was a. It must have been a bad pint, and I was so ill. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I've, I've never drunk beer ever again. Oh, um, interesting. Um, I like a glass of red wine now and again. I'll probably have about two or three glasses on a weekend that's mm. it i do find that stuff and that stuff like that can be really actually have a benefit when mm. you've suffered a big loss because mm. people alcohol ends up being a lot of people's crutches doesn't it but saying that cat now me and my partner um my business partner have just uh, acquired um macclesfield fc and we've just created a new bar um, which is quite remarkable so there might be a few glasses yeah. <laughs> late in there we'll after we'll watching have, our team we'll get him back on this and go back one morning um and Robbie, if there's anyone listening to this now who's going through um, what you went through, watching your dads go through that, what advice would you offer them? I would say, you know, I do feel guilty from his passing because I wasn't there, but I would say don't feel guilty in feeling that when you want to go and see him, don't feel guilty if you don't want to. Mm. Because as I've I'd said to Kat, I'd be driving there thinking this is pointless. You know, what am I doing? Because he doesn't know who I am anyway. That is fascinating that you are so hard on yourself about yeah. the fact that you weren't there <laughs> yeah. and the fact that you were like, oh, you know, it was painful going to see him. And yet if you were offering advice, you'd say don't. Just on that, say if it was your sons in yeah. the same situation as you. Yeah. And they'd been to visit you for 26 nights. And then on the final night, they were attending an awards ceremony for free yeah. because they didn't want to let people down. So they weren't there with you. And you passed, but you could come back and have one conversation with your son. That's a good, good question. What would you say to them? It's a good question. It's a great question. What would I say to my sons in that situation? You know, I would say, listen, you know, it's a good question, John. That's a good question. I certainly don't think you'd want them to feel guilty the way you No, know. I wouldn't. Of Absolutely course, I, of not. course I wouldn't. No, because they were doing things for the right reasons and probably the, they probably would think that, because it's been 26 now, it could be 27, 28, mm. 29, 30 nights, you could have go on. And that that small window of opportunity to go and do good for, you know, to try and save people's lives in, in you know, f who have suffered with cancer and help those people, he would probably say, listen, son, you know, you've done that at the goodness of your heart because, you know, you're a good person and you want to help other people. Um, you know, don't feel guilty. I know he would say that, but, you know, and that, my sons would say that to me, but it doesn't stop the feeling that everybody else is there. And, you know, you think about what other people would say because it was known the next day that my father had passed and people saying, well, Robbie was at a charity event. Why oh. wasn't he at his dad's death when his dad passed? Then you've got the people on social media, you know, who were just vile and horrible, you know, saying that, you know, as your father's body decomposed yet the day after on Twitter, which oh, was nasty. Disgusting. So, you know, because we're, you're in the public eye, people, mm. you know, people like to say those things and be nasty when they don't know how much grief and how much you're hurting. That definitely makes it so much worse. I remember Ian Stringer talking about that last year, about how he got a lot of grief and you know, it was difficult with the relationship with his mum. How do you cope with that? How do, do you find a place in your mind where you can box off the cruel comments or do they still affect you now? No, they still affect me now because, yeah, those people on social media feel like they've got the right, mm. you know, to hide behind a, a screen and, you know, there's no um, consequences for their, 
you know, nastiness and they just think they can do it. Would they say it to your face? Um, I, I'm not so sure they would, but it still hurts. Of course it does because those tweets, you can still see them. Why? How does somebody write those tweets when you've, you know, you've lost your hero? So it does hurt. It does, you know, it, you do think about things like that, but you've just got to be trying to be better, better than these people. So now obviously in the line of work that you do and because of your dad's death, you work for with Sports United Against Dementia, don't you? So what kind of work does that involve and what are you guys kind of... It just helps, yeah, it just helps, you know, families and recall, you know, sporting occasions in their life and see if it, you know, helps stimulate the people with dementia. I, I remember going to Leicester. It was heartbreaking. A, a gentleman who sported um, Leicester City for a number of years and he collected programmes and... You know, his wife would get all the old programs. I would go through him. He'd remember him. His face would light up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could see the pain in, in you know, it's always the, the partners of, of people with dementia where people forget, you know, because yeah. they're going through so much to be with somebody for 25, 30, 45 years. And then to see the one you loved, you know, not the person you've, you, you've been with. It's yeah. just a completely different person, transformative disease. So... What they try and do is, you know, make these people recall sporting memories and see if it can stimulate them. And, you know, as I said, you know, when my father seen football focus on the TV, you know, I, I could see a glint in his eye where he knew for one minute that there was something to do with me and sport which resonated with him. Robbie, I know that since losing my mum, it's made me value my dad more and appreciate what life, I hope a long life I have left with him in it. Uh, <sighs> As the way you lost your dad and how you saw your mum caring for him and then how she had to deal with it afterwards, has it changed your relationship with her at all? I've always been close to mum. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I've always, I was always, you know, mum's mm. little boy um, and still am. You know, I'm. what I try and get into my kids now is even when they, my eldest is 18, my youngest is 14, that, you know, when they go to bed or when they leave the house, give mum and dad a kiss. Don't mm. so give me a kiss. My eldest, like, gives <laughs> me half, 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 a hug, High five. <laughs> half a hug. But, you know, I always, every time I see mum, give her a kiss. My dad didn't care. Give my um, kiss a, um, dad a kiss. Um, and I try and, you know, get my boys to do that with me because you never know when life's mm. going to be cut so short. You know, for whatever reason, but I've always been close to my mum. You know, she's a star. She's on the radio show I do. She's got mm -hmm. a column in the newspaper. Um, she secretly loves it. You know, but every weekend she'll phone me. So I'm not doing it anymore um, <laughs> when she feels a bit down. Um, but you know, she's an amazing person. Um, that, you know, what she deals with in her life in terms of health. You know, she keeps going. She keeps battling on. Um, but you'll never take away. You know, she'll never leave that house. She'd never go on holiday. Mm -hmm. Um, no money in the world matters to her. You know, all she, you know, she said to me, I think they had about, you know, they had their savings and she, you know, she's given all the two grandsons and to a granddaughter because she said no amount of money in the world, which you save can bring the, bring him back. So she wanted the memories. She wants, them, not yeah, the, she wanted the memories, yeah. not the money. So she's yeah. given all to the grandkids. Um, so yeah, it's, listen, she's an amazing person. Um, but you can see how much every day it hurts her. Yeah, I've got to say, when I was talking to somebody about doing this podcast, your mum definitely took took the limelight. Yeah, she's great, Val. Yeah, she's, she loves it. You know, she's an amazing, inspirational yeah. person. And, you know, by writing a column, you know, in the paper, she she's 
helps other people in the same mm. situation you know a lady of her age she talks about so many things <laughs> ladies stuff um, of her age but, Go on, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know she gets letters saying she helps people now so Aww. you know you can't quite believe that my mum you know is helping other people which is quite yeah, amazing it's beautiful what's your favorite memory of your dad Robbie I've got so many you know he was you know in the just the, the, his, how proud he was that his son was you know, playing the sport he loved and he helped me massively, as I say, without my father getting to games. You know, I try and do it now for my kids where, you know, you can take them and sometimes you think, oh, I've got to drive and that traffic's going to be bad, but you do it. You do it for your kids, you know. M my father had a, had a brown Cortina and the, the registration was UTU525I. It had brown cloth seats. It wasn't, you know, the nicest car in the world, but it was a car that got us everywhere. It was a car that my dad was proud of and, you know, the amount of times it broke down, flat tire, my dad changing, you know, um, the tires on the side of the road. Um, but I think the best memory, one of the best memories of dad is, is that, you know, playing in his grassroots team, um, I was one of the best players at under, under 14 level and we played at, in, at Wrexham and um, my dad gave the team talk and then my mum would, would wash the kit after the game and take it home and wash, hang on the washing line in the back garden. There was all the kits. And um, so but we won the game one nil. I scored the goal and it was against my old team, Sly United. And um, after the game, um, this old man come into the changing room and um, he said to my mother, oh, who was the number seven? And my mum said, oh, that was my son. But she said, I haven't got time for you. I haven't got time for you. I've got to pick this kid up and wash it and look what he's done. Look how muddy it is. You know, I haven't got, got time. I have got Yeah, I've got time. He said, I've got to hang all this on the washing line. And my dad was saying, who's that? She said, oh, I have no idea, Colin. Get on with it. Let's, let's, we got to get home. we got to go to the chippy. We've got to get the kids bath. It's like, anyway, um, he handed um, my mother a card. So um, she put it in her pocket. So on the way home in the Cortina, um, my dad was saying, who was that man? Um, so you can imagine how proud he was of me as my mum was. And we're driving home and um, she got out of her pocket and on the card it said it was Hugh Roberts, Manchester United scout. Wow. So you can imagine my father's wow. reaction. What are you, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> you it? Uh, yeah, why, what are you doing? That, that's it, he's missed his chance. But, you know, we rung him when we got home and then, you know, I went for trials and signs. So, you know, just their relationship, how mm. much he adored my mother, I yeah. think, is is the is the biggest thing. Um, listen, you know, when my mother went through the is it the menopause? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Come we're not quite there. I like um, how he's looking at us. Yeah, oh, I remember. Well, you know, yeah. what, you know exactly it, what it, The menopause. <laughs> you are sweating a bit. Um, you know exactly uh, what my it is. My mum's been through it, so I think I know what it is. Um, she smashed the kitchen up. Um, <laughs> Every every plate, every dish, every every. You'd everything. probably just annoyed her. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. I remember my dad. We were sitting in the, in the front room, and you could hear the kitchen getting smashed to pieces. And my dad said, "Let's let her get on with it. Let her get on with it." And then after she'd finished, like it with her, whatever it was. I know the menopause lasts for longer than smashing the kitchen up. I think it does anyway. Um, 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 there he was consoling her, giving her a hug, and said, "Don't worry." And he cleaned everything up. Um, you know, he was such a a good man who worked yeah. exceptionally hard, um, but their relationship was such a special one. Oh, I love that one. What a thing to take away. I know, I know. Um, so obviously we're releasing this episode as kind of part of our sort of aim to get more men talking about grief, um, especially with it being Father's Day in June. So I was wondering if you had 
any words of wisdom to share with any men out there who are perhaps struggling to talk about their grief or have perhaps kept it hidden underneath a you know a deep blanket for a long period of time yeah i i feel comfortable in talking about it now you know i you know what i had a podcast um with with matthew said and andrew flintoff and it was you know we talked about there and i you know, it was the first time I really talked about it and opened up and I was in floods of tears. Um, mm. You know, and I still get emotional when I talk about it, but as I've, the more I've spoke about it, the better I get, you know, at, at talking about it because um, it helps, it really helps. And talking to people, you know, about grief, about anything mentally, you know, it can really, really help you because, you know, I've lost friends, you know, who who maybe if they'd have talked to people might yeah. might still be with us um so yeah i encourage everybody to talk if they've got problems you know i'm at i'm involved at a football club now where i know people have struggled mentally um you know and i you know i encourage them to talk you know i try and engage with them i try and you know make them feel as as important as i can and mm. make them feel comfortable enough to they can open up in an environment a safe environment um you know, so I encourage everybody to to speak out and um, if they can. Oh, perfect. Well, Robbie, thank you so much for joining is that us. It? And uh, yeah, hang on a minute, we've got oh, to wrap oh, up. You can oh, stay for the goodbyes. Oh, oh, You're not oh. that busy, are you? Oh. I was going to say something nice. No, about listen, you, I, I think you now. two. I, <laughs> I think I think I think you two are inspirational as well. Though you know, I've listened to a few of these podcasts, and you know, to lose your mother, you know, at such young ages must have been incredibly difficult. So. You know, if I, a bitch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could. Oh, I can't imagine because you know, as I say, my father meant the world to me, as my mother, you know, does, and you know, I'm gonna have to go through that. Uh, you know, one stage losing, losing, you know, my mum, mm. which is gonna be. Hopefully, it does not happen for a while. Obviously, but after you've lost one, dreading yeah, the next one, you're like, be, yeah. you know, it's gonna be. Oh, I just can't imagine it. You, you think they're gonna live forever, don't you? You I do. Know. Well, you hope they do, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, one thing I hope is. You know, you know when you have children. I think the one thing that I hope and pray, and if if somebody could give me a wish now, the one wish I would do is I hope I die before my children. Mm. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's the way it's supposed to be, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that would yeah. that was the only if one yeah. wish I could take away from me is that you know I I I die before my children. Mm. That would be the one Life's wish. Natural cycle. Yeah, really, would, I'm hope and pray that is the case. Well, Robbie, obviously, you know, our friendship is such that we wind each other up and that, but I know that your dad would be so proud of oh, you because behind the public persona is a man that does want to give a lot back. Yeah, thank Hence you. Hence why you've sat in a very hot room for the last <laughs> oh, 40 minutes yeah. talking to us about it. So thank you so, so much for joining us, Pleasure. Robbie. No, yeah, we really, really appreciate it. And thank you for joining us on the Dead Parent Club podcast. Remember, you can reach out if you want to talk to us or if you've got any suggestions on any areas for us to cover in the future. Yep, you can drop us an email at hello at deadparentclub.com UK. You can reach out to us on Instagram at Dead Parent Club Podcast, on Twitter at DPC Podcast, and on Facebook. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.